Welcome to On The Move, the global mobility podcast brought to you by Vialto Partners. Vialto is your ally in mobility, tax and immigration solutions. We spark meaningful growth for your business and your people. At Vialto, we push the boundaries of global mobility, powering positive outcomes in business and beyond. Our teams partner closely with you, providing extensive expertise and seamless tech-enabled experiences so you can mobilize a dynamic global workforce and unlock potential. Hi there, and welcome to On The Move, the podcast about global mobility brought to you by Vialto Partners. I'm Greg Fetter, and I'm an employment tax partner with Vialto based in New Jersey. Today, I'm joined by my colleagues, Lygia Donis and Tina Schraub. Lygia is a partner based in Washington, D.C., and she leads our U.S. federal employment tax practice. Tina is a partner based in New York Metro. She heads our U.S. state and local payroll and employment tax practice. Today, we're going to talk about federal and state audit activity in the U.S. So with that, Lygia, let's start with you. What are some of the areas of focus we're seeing in audits at the federal level? Hi, Greg, and uh, thanks for having me. So at the federal level, we're seeing lots of audit focus. Uh, I guess first thing to note is the Inflation Reduction Act, as most folks know, increased IRS funding by $80 billion. That $80 billion is expected to be allocated to things like taxpayer services, enforcement, operations support, and business systems modernization, or TAC. So lots of questions around that, that enforcement piece, right? That, that is one of the, the pieces of focus for the IRS. And so we can expect increased audits in general. Focus areas we've seen in the employment tax space specifically include things like uh, failure to deposit penalties around deposit timing, specifically around equity. So for example, companies that provide equity compensation to their employees, such as restricted stock units, restricted stock awards, you know, anything like that, stock directly, the IRS is coming in and looking at, are you meeting your deposit requirements, specifically the next day deposit rule? And if you are not, they are aggressively assessing failure to deposit penalties. Failure to deposit penalties are pretty black and white. So we do recommend employers keep an eye on their, on their processes and ensure they're timely depositing their employment taxes. Another thing we're seeing, and uh, I just saw that the IRS and DOL actually re-upped their agreement to share information on this, is worker classification. Worker classification has been an issue for years and years and years. Back in 2011, the IRS and Department of Labor at the federal level entered into a memorandum of understanding where they share information. States also share information and this has been increased. For example, President Biden on the labor side, not the employment tax side, has a focus on worker classification because it affects the rights of employees, such as you know, overtime you know, protections, et cetera. And on the tax side, it affects taxes you, you are required to pay, information you're required to report to the IRS and Social Security Administration, et cetera. So we've seen worker class audits be a focus for years. We don't expect that to go down. And in fact, we expect it to increase. Another area we're seeing, and again, this, this has been long, you know, long-standing area, is benefits, specifically meals. Meals has been a, a hot topic area for years again. So if you're offering free meals to your employees or subsidized meals, expect that the IRS, if they come in on an audit, will likely question that. 
The IRS has had meals on their priority guidance plan since at least 2014. It's on their plan again this year. So we're hoping guidance comes out, but until then, meals in particular and all fringe benefits are something the IRS considers low-hanging fruit. And so we're seeing that as a big audit area. Another one is expense reimbursements. As a result of COVID, for example, we've seen employers, and as a result of some state rules, we've seen employers increase what they're reimbursing. So for example, as a result of COVID and employees working from home, we saw a lot of employers start to reimburse things like uh, a portion of employees' uh, home utilities, home internet, you know, home office equipment, things like that. And expense reimbursements are an area that the IRS has always focused on in audit, and they are continuing to focus on that now. So expect that if you're audited, the IRS may question any expense reimbursements to see if you're meeting the accountable plan rules. Other issues we're seeing, the IRS has a campaign on self-employment tax or SECA tax, particularly on partnerships. So if you're part of a partnership, expect that the IRS may question whether you're paying sufficient self-employment or SECA tax. And then another area we're seeing a lot that the IRS refers to as um, sometimes as no FICA is whether or not you're paying FICA taxes, i.e. Social Security and Medicare taxes properly on inbounds and outbounds with respect to, for example, trailing liabilities. So if if you've granted stock, stock options, stock units, and they're vesting or being paid out, et cetera, while the employees, for example, outside the country or in, or in, you know, an inbound is now vested inside the country, the IRS is, is looking heavily to make sure FICA taxes are properly being paid on, again, trailing liabilities, things like that, and FICA exceptions. So if you have employees on visas, they're looking to make sure that you have the proper documentation to show that, for example, they're exempt. So F1, J1 type visas, uh, which have an exemption from FICA, IRS is confirming you have the proper paperwork, and if not, they're they're generally making assessments based on FICA. So those are some of sort of the big areas we're seeing right now. Great. Thanks, Ligia. Now let's turn to state and local jurisdictions. Tina, what are we seeing there? Yeah, thanks, Greg. We're seeing state tax authorities focus their income tax withholding audits primarily on non-resident employee short-term business travel and on remote workers. Particularly, states are focused on determining where employees are physically working as compared to their assigned work locations. State taxing authorities are also focused on multi-year compensation elements, such as bonus, deferred comp, and equity, so items that were earned in one year and paid in a subsequent year. And so that's further complicated by uh, short-term business travel and remote work where employees over multiple years are working, living and or working in a number of jurisdictions. So much more difficult for employers to track and be able to administer uh, correct proper state tax withholding with those jurisdictions. On the state unemployment tax side, similar to what Ligia mentioned on the federal side, the focus of audits has been worker classification, where the taxing authorities evaluate whether an individual is in fact a contractor or an employee. On the state side, these audits oftentimes get triggered when a contractor tries to collect unemployment benefits in a particular state when their service agreement terminates with the with the company. So that's uh, primarily what we're seeing on the state side, Craig. Okay, thanks. Now, have we seen an increase in audit activity? And if so, what, what specifically are the jurisdictions focusing on? And then also, 
what do you see down the road? Do you, do you foresee any areas that these, these jurisdictions may focus on? Laijia, why don't we start with you again? Sure. So I wouldn't say we're seeing, you know, specifically an increase in audit activity. As I mentioned, the Inflation Reduction Act did increase the IRS's budget by $80 billion, and some of that is going to be allocated towards enforcement. So we do expect more audits. The IRS has indicated there will be more focused audits, right, focused on, on specific tax issues and, and areas of noncompliance, for example. So th- there may be increased audit activity just as a result of the IRS getting more resources. We do expect that the IRS will take some time to, to hire new IRS agents, for example, and training, et cetera. So I don't know that this will be immediate, right? But we do expect some increased activity. Potential audits you know, that we could see coming down the road, in addition to what I talked about earlier, might include things like uh, employee retention credit. So employers that took the employee retention credit, which was available under the CARES Act, we do expect that because that employee retention credit was taken with essentially no substantiation, right? You claimed it on your 941 or you claimed it on your 941X and you just plugged numbers in. You didn't plug in, yes, I met the requirements. You know, I was an eligible employer and these were qualified wages, et cetera. We do expect that the IRS will follow up and do audits of employers to confirm that the employers were indeed eligible, that the, the wages they took into account in calculating that credit were indeed qualified, and that you know sort of all, all the requirements were met for eligibility. Similar to if folks remember, and, and there's now another COBRA credit, so this gets added, if folks remember the COBRA credit from back in, I think, 2009, where there were follow-up audits to confirm that employers had the requisite eligibility met. We expect that on the on the ERC, as well as the new COBRA credit that came out a couple years ago. We also expect IRS to start questioning any benefits provided during COVID. So we've actually started seeing this already in audits where the IRS has come in and asked clients to list any benefits they provided during, for example, the COVID shutdown, and then to ask if you provided these benefits, tell us whether you taxed them or didn't tax them. If you excluded them from wages, please give us your your support for why you excluded them. So again, based on conversations with clients and talking to clients throughout this whole COVID process, what we saw was you know, reimbursements for home internet, for utilities, for work from home, office equipment, monitors, mouse, mice, mouses, I don't know how to would say, you know, things like that. So we do expect that if the IRS audits you, they're likely gonna ask questions about what benefits did you provide during COVID? How did you, you know, t- treat them? And if you did exclude them to, to make sure you're able to provide reasons as to why. So, Greg, from the state tax perspective, we've definitely seen an increase in queries from taxing authorities centered around primarily remote workers questioning where employees are actually living and working. And some of these questions are coming up when employees are trying to claim credits in jurisdictions, for example, if they're filing their individual tax return in a different state or jurisdiction than where the employer withheld, that state may be asking the employee to validate where they were performing services and they may request that the employer provide validation as to what their assigned office location is and or where services were performed. As a result of COVID-19 and the shift to flexible work arrangements, the convenience of employer role has also been front and center. So the, the convenience of employer role 
really focuses on only a handful of states. So that's Delaware, New York, Pennsylvania, Nebraska, and Connecticut has a limited convenience of the employer rule. Most notably is New York um, is probably the most well-known convenience of the employer state. And, and basically that rule states that if you have a non-resident employee who is assigned to a work location in a convenience of the employer state, like New York, for example, and that individual employee works remotely for his or her convenience rather than the necessity of the employer, those days worked remotely are sourced back to the assigned work location. So you may have a New Jersey resident, for example, who's assigned to the New York work location. That employee works uh, in New York three days a week, at home in New Jersey two days a week. New York would argue that all five days are subject to New York withholding to the extent those days worked from home in New Jersey are for the employee's convenience. So this can create some complexity for employers to manage the messaging and also could result in double taxation to the employee. So definitely some challenges there for employers. No, it sounds like it. It sounds like there's a lot of complexity here and a lot of potential for exposure across the board. Do you have any recommendations as to how clients can mitigate risk? I can take that one, Greg. So employers can review their internal payroll and employment tax processes to ensure they're in compliance. We would recommend reviewing employee payroll tax setups to validate the state and local withholding is correct, as well as, for example, comprehensive reviews of earnings and deduction codes to confirm proper setups in the payroll system. Quarterly, annual, and annual withholding tax reconciliations can also be performed to ensure all taxes withheld were reported and deposited timely. As I mentioned, you know, deposit timing and, and failure to deposit penalties are things that are being picked up on audit and focused on. Employers can also evaluate their exposure relating to things like short-term business travel and remote work and maintain policies and procedures that track where employees are performing services and manage the withholding processes effectively. Lastly, employers can review their worker classification processes to make sure there's robust evaluation of the various factors used to determine whether the worker is an employer or contractor, starting with, for example, their policies. So, you know, what, what are their policies in determining whether somebody should be classified as an independent contractor or an employee? all the way down to how are they practically implementing those processes. So really a broad review to make sure there's, you know, there's no exposure across the board is, is generally recommended. Thank you, Tina and Ligia. We would like to thank you all for joining us today. This is the first episode of the Optos podcast, and we hope it was time well spent for you. We'll be talking to experts on audit activity in other parts of the world, so keep an eye open for future episodes. We'll also tackle other topics in the world of global mobility that can help you better understand and anticipate the challenges and opportunities that come with operating a global workforce. Until then, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to On The Move, the global mobility podcast brought to you by Vialto Partners. For more information, please visit us at www.vialto.com. Vialto Partners and Vialto refers to the subsidiaries of CD&R, Galaxy UK Opco Limited, as well as the other members of the Vialto Partners Global Network. The information contained in this podcast is for general guidance on matters of interest only. 
Vialto is not responsible for any errors or emissions, or for the results obtained from use of this information.